May 30th, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin on Daf'ayin Aleph Amudalf at the very bottom of the page, the last line. If you recall the Mishnah, very briefly, because it will have not that much bearing on us in the Gemara, the Mishnah described, Derashot from Pesukim, how we know that the parents of the Ben Soreru Moreh, both the mother and the father, cannot be a Gidem, a Chiger, an Ilem, a Suma, a Heresh, they can't be mute, deaf, um, have broken, uh, uh, amputated arm, loss of a, of a leg, and so forth. The derashot there in the Mishnah were explicit in terms of the rabbi's understanding. On the one hand, the pasuk says, the parents grab him. Clearly, the parents have, at least in the eyes of the hachamim, two arms in order to do so. And then they walk him out to to the elders, to the Sanhedrin. Clearly they have legs and so on and so forth. Says the Gemara here in commenting on those words in the Mishnah, we can deduce from our Mishnah that we need it's perhaps clear from our Mishnah, Kera, the Pasuk, as it's written, is an absolute necessity. If you recall, on Daf Memhe Amud Bet, as Rashi cites for us, it was the opinion of Shemuel. The Gemara over there was dis- discussing in the context of Mitzvot from the Torah. When the Torah has many, many details, are we to say that absolutely every single one of them is necessary with regards to fulfilling what the Torah says? In other words, if there's a detail or two that we're deficient in, have you not fulfilled that Mitzvot? Of course, that's a longer, broader conversation. But for our purposes, that was the opinion of Shemuel. The pasuk, as it's stated objectively, needs to be fulfilled to the T, every single one of those details. If any of them are missing, so then you haven't fulfilled it. Well, Mishnah then, which says that if one of the parents is missing uh, uh, eyesight, if one of the parents is missing a leg, you cannot and will not fulfill Ben Sorero More. Clearly, answers the Gemara. No, this case is different. It's different here. The entirety of the Pesukim, or a full Pasuk, is, uh, is unnecessarily stated, it would appear. Explains Rashi, the Torah, if you recall, it's the Pesukim we've been talking about throughout the Perek. Uh, the Torah, in describing Ben Soreru More, does not suffice to say, if there's a child who is Zolel V'Soveh, and in such a circumstance he's put to death. It rather stops. There's almost an interlude. It says, and the parents grab him, and the parents bring him out, and the parents speak, and the parents say, and so on and so forth. All of that is unnecessary. The fact that the Torah goes out of its way, an entirety of a pasuk, which is unnecessary, not just details, it's specific details, and as a result, you can't enter this into the larger conversation of whether kera kedichtiv or not. Kera kedichtiv is the Torah, quote-unquote, in its regular fashion. States a halacha, the question is, are every one of those details, so to speak, absolutely binding, or maybe just lechatechila in some circumstances? Over here, the entire pasuk is yetera, and as a result, of course, even those who disagree with Shemuel would agree it's absolutely necessary. Continues the Gemara, umatrin If you recall, the Mishnah had, after those laws, which we just talked about very briefly, after those laws, the Mishnah said, and the parents warn the child, which appears as if they are uh, warning, and you have three witnesses, and then the Mishnah says, Umalkinotos, three lines from the bottom, and of course the question of the Gemara is, although the Torah does say, al edim o it's based on two or three, yakum davar, we know that it's two, which is absolutely necessary. It's a question of the rabbis. Why does the Torah say two 
or three in Masechet Makot. So if that's the case, how come all of a sudden over here it appears as if you need three witnesses for Ben Soreru More with regards to this <coughs> warning from the parents to the child? Umatrim Bifnesh Losha asks the Gemara Lamali, why is it necessary to have three witnesses? Bitre with two Sagya, it should be sufficient. Amar Abaye, Abaye explains that the Mishnah is a different understanding. Hachekama, this is what the Mishnah meant to say. Matrin bo Bifnesh Enaim, Umalkinoto. Uh, period. Uh, so what the Mishnah means to say is the hatra'a, the warning is issued in front of two. Those words are a little bit missing in our Mishnah, but you're to read it as such. Umatrinbo, pause. How many parentheses in front of two? And then the three is so that you give lashes to the child. Of course, you need a betin of three in order to give malkot. So in other words, that's the way you read the Mishnah. Instead of umatrin bo bishlosha, the warning is in front of three, it's warning. And then in front of three, you give lashes. Maharsha, as a matter of fact, points out that the Gemara over here doesn't use the regular wording of the Gemara in these types of situations. Generally speaking, the Gemara has the following words in these types of situations. It says, the Mishnah is missing words, and here's how you should fill it in. The Gemara doesn't say that. The understanding says, Marshais, this is the way you're supposed to swiftly read it. Umatrinbo, pause, no words missing. How many people do you do that in front? Of course you do it in front of two. It's unnecessary to even mention it. And then you need three for the Malkot. Why does the Mishnah write it in such a funny fashion? Why does the Mishnah ever quote missing words? The Gemara has this sort of conversation, which I said earlier. It's missing words, and here's how you read it. So the best answer that I know of comes from Tiferet Israel. It's a commentary on Mishnayot. He writes, it in one, he writes the following in one place. It says, Mishnayot were purposed to be memorized and recited by rote by everyone. From childhood until old age, you were supposed to know Mishnayot by heart. It was... As Harambam explains elsewhere, Harambam says that's the way people used to derive halakha. They knew Mishnayot by heart, and as a result, they knew many halakhot. The way, the best way, I think we all know this, to memorize, although that's a lost art, to memorize something is when we have a way, a method uh, in which there's a melody, a beat to doing it. And as a result, the Mishnayot are written in a succinct way, a fashion in which Tosafot writes this elsewhere, they used to be able to sing them. If you were able to sing it, look at little kid. I lived in Me'ashavim for two years. You walk by one of the cheders over there, the kids are chanting Mishnayot and Pesukim in the Torah. It's much easier to, I remember the Pesukim and Shir Hashirim better than anything else because I love the tune of Shir Hashirim personally. When you know the tune, when the words fit the tune, so then you're able to say it. That's how I understand Mishnayot as well. Mishnayot were succinct, they were to the point. You were supposed to fill in the gaps. Why make it so to the point and missing words, quote unquote, just so that you could memorize and be able to say it easily? Question? Why don't they just simply say if the Torah says two or three, this time it's three? Because it's always two. It's always to the question over there. The question over there when the t- I gotcha. The question over there. Yes, so you have to argue tradition. You have to. In other words, the Gemara's question is: If it says two, why does it say three? Right, so your answer is: Well, sometimes it's three. Alternatively, first and foremost, the Torah never says three over here. This is the Mishnah. It's not like the Torah yeah, says you need three. three. No, the Torah says two or three in general by Yakum Dava. Our Mishnah, not basing itself on a pasuk in the Torah, says three. Hard to jump that. The rabbis determined over here you need three. It would it would take a whole oh, derasha. It would so take a whole. Uh, so careful to, to see exactly what it says in the Mishnah, and it's and it's 
So Any other you, when, you, when you say that, I, I give it to you on the Torah. Mishnayot, we do, but oftentimes the Gemara has this sort of answer. It's missing words, and here's how you should read it. Uh, we have in the Gemara, you should read it as follows. You find that all the time. And again, it's for the same reason. Mishnayot, it's not that they were sloppy per se. First and foremost, it was orally transmitted, so something is right, going is, to get lost the along the way. But secondly, in order for that oral tradition to continue, there had to be, at least according to my understanding, a certain beat, a certain melody. Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Dr. David Eliach used to tell me as a teacher, all the teachers, you have to have your students reading and singing the Pesukim. It's the only way they're going to learn it. It's this idea. Anyway, it says the Gemara again, Amar Kamar Matrin Bo Kama Umalkinoto Says the Gemara, our Mishnah is talking about giving lashes to the Ben Soreru More. Uh, Judah pointed this out some time ago. He talked about this in Tosafot and uh, Teddy Chad at the time. As I said, this was in a different sugya when we talked about this. But there is Malkot, lashes to the Ben Soreru More. Our Mishnah is telling us there's lashes to the Ben Soreru More. You need to go into the front of the Betin of three. Where does it say that in the Torah? There's no pasuk in the Torah you can point to in which you see he gets malkot. There's no, uh, it says the Gemara, we can derive this from an altogether different derashah of which in turn will shed light for us. Rabbi Avahu is talking about the following situation. Parashat Kitese, the Torah talks about a person who gets engaged to a na'ara, a young woman between, between the age of 12 and 12 and a half. And uh, this woman is supposed to be in their engagement, the agreement was that she's a betula, she's a virgin. Uh, the, the man gets married to her a couple months later and he says, in between our engagement and marriage, she must have been uh, sexually promiscu- promiscuous because now she's no longer a betula. Says the Torah, you check her out, however that was to be done, and it was determined she's still a betula. That's what's called Mosi Shemra. The man is casting wrongful name about this woman. What's the punishment in such a circumstance? First and foremost, the Torah is clear. The man has to pay a hundred coins. You know, so he pays to the Avi Hanara, to the father of the, of the woman. Furthermore, to be avahu, is determining from Pesukim the man who's Motsi Shemra gets Malkot, he gets lashes. How do you know he gets lashes? Doesn't say that in the Torah either. He says the following, Lamadnu v'yiseru mi v'yiseru. The Torah in two places, in our two places, on Motsi Shemra and by Ben Soreru More talks about this word, v'yiseru. Now the word liyaser is not an easy word to translate. We had it in this past week's parasha and it meant something along the lines of rebuke. But the understanding over here is that that word will be our word for determining malkot, v'yiseru. How do you know that the word v'yiseru per se means malkot? First and foremost, we linked up v'yiseru of motzi shemra. I'll read to you the pasuk over there. V'lakehu zikne ha'ir ha'hi ish. You take that man, v'yiseru oto, and they will be yiseru, which we're translating as malkot. Furthermore, in the context of ben soreru more, the pasuk says v'yiseru oto v'lo yishma alehem. It's just a few, a few, uh, one chapter off in Sefer Devarim Parashat Kitese. So you have the same word in both circumstances. What does V'yisiru mean? Furthermore, then we have, this is a long, so it would be nice to pull this one on a board. You go, V'yisiru is linked up to V'yisiru. And then you have Ben, V'yisiru mi Ben, Uben mi Bin, V'haya im Bin HaKot HaRasha. So it goes as follows. Again, we linked up Ben Soreru Moret to Motsi Shemra, and then we took Motsi Shemra, and we noticed, excuse me, then we took Ben Soreru More, which talks about Ben, a child, and we linked up those two letters, Ben, Bet, Nun, 
to bin in the Torah, in the context of lashes, arasha, it uses those same two letters, bet nun, and over there it's explicitly talking about lashes, malkot. So let's piece it all together. It's a three-pronged derasha. Working backwards, the Torah in the context of malkot, it says, arasha, bin as it's taking place. Interesting word, bet nun. We take that bet nun and it sheds light on ben soreru more. That's ben mi ben. Ben Soreru More. It's like a three-way Gezerah Shavah, something along those lines. You, from time to time, it's rare. We will see another one alluded to in the Gemara in a, in a death from now, but it's rare that you find something well, like with, this. With the Ben Soreru More, when they give the lashes, the idea is that the, the, the child learns a lesson. Mm-hmm. So it's not that he, he does this... You know, it's part of his initial so warning. Are there, let's say, if that happens three times, they give him lashes. And lashes one time, he doesn't listen. We bring him to a betin of 23. Three have to be the same, and that's it. Uh-huh. It's his one-time thing to set him in place. The Yisiru then derives from Ben Soreru More, which, of course, for our purposes, is the primary text. And we learn it to Motsi Shemra, that there as well you get Malkot. Okay, that's the Derasha. Yes, a two-way or three-way Gezerasha. Says the Gemara onward, quoting from Mishnah, Hazar v'kilkel, Nidon right? So that was initial stage was he's warned by the parents. He's not listening. You bring him to court of three. He gets slashes. He gets malkot. Hazar v'kilkel. If he goes back to his wrongful ways, Nidon is now judged. Be'esrimushloshan. of 23. So, and if you recall, the derasha for that, that it has to be the same three that were initially in the betim that gave the lashes, the malkot, need to be a part of this 23. So it's only 20 new dayanim, three have to be the same. The derasha was because the pasuk says, benenu zeh, benenu zeh, if I'm talking to you, Joey, and I say, this son of mine, what do you mean this son? Clearly you know my son already. So benenu zeh, they already know. How do they already know? Three of them were the same three from originally. Says the Gimana, but that word zeh, which again is a little bit extra, right? If I'm telling you a story, I say, and then I said, and my and my son. I don't say, and this son of mine. So already we had a derasha in our Mishnah from that word zeh. If you recall, the word zeh in the Torah, very often when it's mentioned, we're supposed to envision it as pointing. When you say zeh, you point the Torah says. Says the Midrash, you learn from this that God showed Moshe the menorah, and he pointed to him and he said, this is what it should look like. Anytime the Torah has this word zeh, and so says the Midrash, we saw the Masechet Rosh Hashanah, God shows the moon to Moshe and he says, he points. Anytime the word zeh, this in the Torah, it's you're demonstrating, you're pointing. As a result, in our Mishnah, we learned that the parents, neither the father nor the mother, can be blind because they have to be able to point to the child and say, Benenu Zeh. So which one is it? Is it that we learn that the parents can't be blind from the word Zeh? Or alternatively, do we learn that the same three who were on the initial Beitin need to be together with this Beitin of 23? Are we learning two things? Says the Gemara, Hi, this, this word Zeh, Mi we need it for Zeh sumin to learn that the parents can't be blind. The answer is the Gemara, imken lichtov benenu hu. The Torah could have just as well said, 
Benenu who, um, the, the son whom, this son, without the word zeh, zeh is an extra word to the understanding, is it's beyond just being irregular and an extra word, it's beyond that, it seems to demonstrate you're pointing to. So if it was just teaching us to tell us, on the one hand, that it's the same three, so we could say, the son, the son who I talked to you about already. The fact that it says, this son, we learn from this, my benenu we learn two dirashot, both that the parents cannot, neither of them be blind, and just as much as well, that the three from the initial betin need to be on the betin of 23, who put this ben soreru moret to death by sekilah. Continues the Gemara with a new Mishnah. Barach ad nigmar dino. What if there's a ben soreru more? Now keep in mind the age limit. We saw this in Mishnah earlier in the Masech, or earlier in the Perek. The age limit of the child is until the age of maturity. How do we determine maturity? If you recall, it had to do with the growth of what we call zekan tahton, pubic hairs. Right? So now, what about in the following circumstance? Barach ad nigmar dino. The child is in court and he's being judged, but we haven't reached a verdict yet. And at that moment, in those moments, he's still below the age of maturity. In other words, if he's to be determined ben soreno more, he's put to death. He runs away, he gets out of the court case some way or another, and as a result, he's never finished, never got the verdict, and as he runs away, it's a month or two, whatever it is, he matures, and he's no longer, based on his age, liable to sekilah, as ben soreno more. Says the Mishnah, barachat shelonig mar dino ekif zikan hatahton. We bring him back into court and oh my goodness his voice has changed and look he's all mature just within a couple of months maybe a couple of years whatever the circumstances but we started the court case and he was of age to be hayav mitat sekila patur in such a circumstance he's not liable to death penalty why not we didn't finish the case we didn't finish the case when we finish the case he's no longer liable he's too old what about we finish the case and he was below the age of maturity and then barach and then he runs away so we haven't been able to put him to death but we arrived at, we took the gavel and we slammed it down on the table. We said, Hayav Mita. And we all got all nervous about it. And we went through with all the regular methods that we learned about earlier in Masechet, getting ready for the death. And he runs away, he breaks out of jail, whatever the circumstance is. We finally catch him and he's matured. Hayav, in such a circumstance, he's not off the hook. Why not? The end of the, the Gemardim was arrived when he's mature. And as a result, he's Hayav Mita. The words of Rashid specifically in this context, which will come into play both in our Gemara and then later on is that this, this individual, this child is considered the end of his court case Gavra Ketila which means he's a dead man walking we look at him and although to you and me he looks, he appears as if he's alive he's got blood running through his uh, veins and so on and so forth but he's a dead man he's been, a, he's been determined based on the verdict the Gemara Din of court to be dead and as a result although he's matured he's, he's a mature dead person as a result we don't change the verdict we don't determine that he's not Hayav Mita. Those are the two halachot of the Mishnah. The Gemara now will completely and fully focus on this first statement of Rabbi Hanina, and you'll quickly understand how it's relevant to our Mishnah. Amar Rabbi Hanina, Ben Noach Shebirechet Hashem. If you recall, we saw earlier in our Masechet, there are Sheva Mitzvot Ben Noach. There are the seven Mitzvot, which every Ben Noach, non-Jews who accepted the Sheva Mitzvot Ben Noach, 
are obligated in. One of them is what we call Birkat Hashem. Birkat Hashem, of course, is a euphemism. We're not actually talking about blessing God. They could all bless God. It's fantastic. At the end of the last parak, if you recall, we said, Benoach Shalamad Torah, Shalosek Torah is Kehen Gadol, maybe even greater, whatever. There's no problem with blessing God. It means he's cursing God. If he curses God, he's Hayav Mitah. All the Sheva Mitzvot Benoach is a Hayuv Mitah for them. Now, if we were to curse God as well, we'd Spent plenty of time on this. Where Hayav Mitah as well, we get put to death by Sikilah. That was one of the long lists on Dafnun Gimal in the Mishnah. If a Ben Noach does any of these violations, goes against the Sheva Mitzvot Ben Noach, they're Hayav Saif. They get put to death by being beheaded. Okay, that's all important to keep in mind. Again, Birkat Hashem is one of Sheva Mitzvot Ben Noach. Jews would be put to death with the more severe punishment of Sikila. Non-Jews would be put to death with the less severe punishment of Saif. Okay. Amar bihanina benoach shebirech et Hashem. No, alenu, the non-Jew goes ahead and he curses God. Ve'achar kach nitgayer. But before being judged in court, he converts. He converts, and as a result, his liability is higher now. He now would be, if he did this as a Jew, hayav Sikila. As a non-Jew, he's Hayav Saif. Furthermore, there are other differences. As a non-Jew, in order to be put to death, you only need one judge, as opposed to Jews would need 23 judges. You would need no warning as a non-Jew. For a Jew, you'd need a warning. So there are many differences between a non-Jew and a Jew, even with regards to something that we're both... Uh, commanded about patur in such a circumstance we don't put the non-Jew to death. Lucky him. He non-Jew shenit gayet, meaning non-Jew shenit gayet. As a, as a, Jewish as a person, Jew now, yes. Because a, a goy can do whatever they want. They and can't. Sheva mitzvot bnei Responsibility over. No, sheva mitzvot bnei noach. If it's under our jurisdiction, which once upon a time we had, you're right. They have to do their own dinim. But ultimately speaking, he was hayav mitah. We did judge him. Patur. Why is he patur? Ho'il v'nishtana dino, v'nishtana mitato. Since his din, the method of his judgment, that now you need a warning, that now you need 23 judges and not just one, that's nishtana dino. And furthermore, his death penalty, his mitah, went from saif, which is less hamur, to the more hamur sekilah, uh, we let him off. It's an amazing thing. Says the Gemara, can we support that statement of Rabbi Hanina? Again, that the shift in reality, in halakha, in turn, makes the person exempt from the death penalty. Perhaps we can support that statement of Rabbi Hanina from our Mishnah. Remember the first statement in our Mishnah. Barach, if this Ben Zoreiro More runs out of court before they reach the, the, the verdict. They haven't yet determined that he is a Ben Zoreiro in such a circumstance, he's patur. In such a circumstance, we don't put him to death. You see, my tama. What's the reason? Isn't the reason that this child is let off the hook? We don't put him to death because once it changed, it changed. What do you mean? Once it changed, it changed. Now that he's mature, and we didn't reach a gemardin. Before his maturity, he's now let off the hook. So too over here. In your situation, we found support for you. Ben Noach. He was Birechet Hashem. Since it's Ishtane, since matters changed for him when he becomes Jewish, becomes Israel, Ishtane is not going to be put to death, says the Gemara. It's not a great comparison. You see, our Mishnah is even further from the Rabbi Hanina circumstance. How so? If Rabbi Hanina circumstance, if we were to put this non Jew to, to court, he would be liable to death penalty. 
He's just not getting sekila. He would get sa'if. He is getting beheaded. In this situation, alternatively, says the Gemara, if this child were to now be gluttonous, do all the Ben Sorero More business, he's not liable to death penalty at all. Again, look at it as two stages. By the non-Jew and Jew, in the two stages, there's a Hayuv Mita. You get put to death. It's a question of how and what. But ultimately speaking, you Hayav Mita in both circumstances. It's a much bigger Hidush for Hanina to say, well, since there was a change, scrap the whole case. Scratch the whole case, throw it out. Why didn't throw it out? He's Hayav Mita before, it's Hayav Mita afterwards. No, 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 it's just, it's just like the Ben Sorero More. It's not just like Ben Sorero More. Ben Sorero More, in the initial stage, he was Hayav Mita. If you were to be doing it initially now, once he's, uh, once he's mature already, he's not Bar Ketala, he's not liable to death penalty. That's why he's Patur. That's the suggestion of the Gemara as deflection. Says the Gemara, okay, now I have a question on you to be Hanina. My question is from the second statement in our Mishnah. What was the second statement in the Mishnah? Tashema im Mishinigmar dino barach. Okay, here was the circumstance. The child was in Betin. He was judged for mitah. He is going to be put to sekila. He runs away and now he matures. And then he matures. What was the halacha in our Mishnah? Hayav. So you see clearly. We don't care about the change. Clearly, that change doesn't affect anything. Rabbi Hanina, how do you explain our Mishnah? I thought you told me, Rabbi Hanina, that once there's a change, we throw out the case. You know, it's reminiscent of, I don't know, of my conversations with one or two lawyers who are litigation lawyers. They say you look for the fine print and you determine the details, and that's what knocks out the whole case. That's what seems to be taking place. Rabbi Hanina says the details change, it's all out, but it's not so. Over here, the child is still Hayav Mita. Answers the Gemara, no, that's not a great example either. Nigmar Dino Ka'amarta, you're talking about that second case in the Mishnah of Nigmar Dino, the ver- verdict was reached. Nigmar Dino Gavrakitilahu. In such a circumstance, once we reach the verdict on this child, Gavrakitilah, he's dead already. You want to take back his death penalty? He's dead. I don't know what I mean. There's a kid over here in front of you. He's talking, he's chatting, he's hanging out with him, but he's dead. Alpidin is dead. You can no longer determine, but we're going to take back that death penalty. He's Nigmardino. We look at him, and this will have very important uh, very important ramifications later on on Dafa'in Bet. On Dafa'in Bet, we'll talk about a circumstance where someone breaks into another person's house. It's called Habba Mahterit. You enter into the person's house, and you, in turn, because of the person's rights to self defense, the Gemara will say, you, not you, the person who breaks into the house is immediately liable to death penalty. He's a dead man walking. And as a result of him being a dead man walking, ironically, in a crazy way, if he therefore goes to the walls and starts crashing them and breaking everything and then he runs out, he's not liable. He doesn't have to pay. Why doesn't he have to pay? He destroyed the guy's house. He was a dead man when he destroyed the guy's house. But he wasn't dead. He broke all the... Dead man, there's such a reality, metaphysical reality. We say, Alpidin, you're dead. We don't care about anything more. I mean, it's a terrible, scary situation, but that's the that's the circumstance here as well in a completely different context. Says the Gemara, is Gavrakitila, and as a result, we can't reverse his death penalty. Says the Gemara, Tashema. I have another question or support, we'll see in just a moment, for you or against you to be Hanina. Here it is. Benoah Shehikad Havero. It's a non Jewish person. He's Hikat Havero, who kills his friend. Uba al Eshet Havero, and the 
and then, or then, he has relations with eshet havero esheti. She has illicit uh, sexual relations. One of these two cases, or both of the, these cases. Now, what what is the liability for Ben Noah in both of them? Saif. What's that? Why is she not an eshetish? He killed the husband, huh? No, 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 the or. or I, I'm very clear about that. No, 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 and, and maybe a different friend. I, I got you. No, say, it, say it again, sorry. Say the case either again. he kills someone, or he sleeps with someone's oh, wife, okay, or good. he kills someone, or he sleeps, and he sleeps with someone else's wife. No, no, good no, point. No. I got you. I got, I got why that's confusing. Now, what's the liability? What's the hayuv mitah for a ben Noah? It's Sheva Mitzvot ben Noah. Saif in both of these circumstances gets put to death by beheading. What's the mitah for a Israel, if Israel is to kill someone, saif for killing, for illicit relations, if we're dealing with the standard situation, hanik, strangulation, if it's na'aram or asas or sekila, okay, but those are our first two cases, vinit gayir, and then he converts, he converts, what, what did he affect? Patur, I mean, this is an amazing thing. It's a crazy situation. You know, if you're living in a Jewish governed country and you're a non Jew and you're looking to get out of everything, so go on a rampage and then convert. When don't convert? don't before actually. Before, before Gimardin. It has to be. If it was Lahad Gimardin, it's Gavra Ketila, right? That's Patur. Now, again, I, I remind you, I've not actually given that advice and it won't be so simple because we won't accept you as a convert. Well, certainly not here, but anywhere else as well. You know, we'll understand your reason over there. Asakin bi Yisrael. What if the non-Jew, as a non-Jew, doesn't do it to Havero, to his friend's wife, or to his friend, meaning to non-Jews, he does it to Jews. So he sleeps with the Jewish man's wife, or he kills a Jew, vinit gayer, and then he converts hayav. In such a circumstance, we don't change his death penalty, and we keep him as a we keep him on death row. Ve'amai, it's a question now on Rabbi Hanina. Nema, why don't we say ho'il ve'ishtane, ishtane? Why don't we claim over here in such a circumstance that since it changed, how did it change? Well, let's think for a moment. It changed from being a non-Jew to a Jew. As a result, it's a different situation. What's different? Well, first and foremost, I know as a non-Jew, he only needed uh, one judge. He didn't need a warning. Now, as a Jew, he would need 23 judges and a warning. As a result, Ishtaneh, that was the claim of Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina told us that as long as there's a change, that's the fine details, that's the fine print in the case. You throw out the case. Answers the Gemara, it's still not enough over here. It says the Gemara, Dino umitato ba'inan. In order for Rabbi Hanina's claim of once it changed, it's uh, irreversible. You won't bring it back to the original case. It needs to be changed on twofold level. Number one, it needs to be a change in terms of details. That's what we call dino. In other words, no longer is one, one judge sufficient. Now you need 23 and so forth. And secondly, the death penalty also changed as a non-Jew saif and as a Jew, it's altogether different. What was the death penalty for murdering as a non-Jew? Remind me, saif. What's the death penalty for a Jew who murders? Saif as well, says the Gemara. Therefore, it's not enough of a change. Over here, says the Gemara, Dino umitato ba'inan. You need both the type of judgment to change, which did, but you need also the death penalty to change. And over here, it went from Saif to Saif in the case of murder. Vehai, Dino ishtane, mitato la ishtane. Over here, although Dino ishtane, although you judge him differently now, he doesn't. He needs a warning now, he needs 23, but mitato, the death penalty, is the same. 
Says Gemara, but wait a second. Let's just think about that for a second. We had two cases. Charles reminded us we had two cases. We had not only murder mentioned in this beraita. We had as well illicit relations. Remind me, illicit relations as a ben Noach is put to death by Saif. Illicit relations with a Yisrael is put to death by. Hanik. So that did change. And as a result, your claim, your, your deflection for the Bihanina is not sufficient. You claim that you need a double change. You need a change in terms of method and in terms of outcome. Over here, you don't, you do have a change in terms of both. You claim by the murder case, you didn't. By this circumstance of the illicit relations you do, I understand your claim when you're talking about murdering the Makkeh. Initially, it was being put to death by by beheading and now as well but what about in the circumstance of you had the relations with the Eshetish when you were Ben Noach it was Saif now you got put to death by strangulation as Israel that's different as a result, the question is, we ask it on Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina, your claim is that once things change, altogether change, both in terms of method and in terms of outcome, we do away with the punishment. How come you didn't do it over here? Answers the Gemara, the suggestion of the Gemara is we're talking perhaps specifically about what's called Na'aram Orasa. Remember Na'aram Orasa, the Torah describes in Parashat Kitese. We've talked about this on more than one occasion. It's the most vulnerable state of of this woman's life, of anyone's life. It's a woman who's in between engagement and marriage. She's still a nara, she still has a foot in her father's household. In that vulnerable situation, she has now relations with another man in such a circumstance, we're most severe on her. What's the severity? Sekila. We put her to death based on Sekila. We saw earlier in the Gemara as well, and Dafnun Zainamutbet, that that's a punishment which is applicable both to Israel and to Ben Noah. Well, that being the case, the Gemara suggests over here, when we mentioned in that Beraita, if the circumstance was such that it's a non-Jew, as he's a non-Jew, he kills someone or he sleeps with someone and then he becomes a Jew, well, I we said, well, things changed. Things didn't change in either one of those circumstances. If it was the murder situation, the punishment stayed the same. It was Saif and then Saif afterwards. If it was the relations, we thought it changed. It went from Saif to Hanik. Instead, it's talking about Na'arahm Urasa, which means we maintain Sekila. We'll return to this and conclude tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Amen.